What happens when a radio broadcaster gets let go from his sports talk job? Well, he tries to figure out what he wants to do next for a career. And in the meantime, joins the 4 million other podcasts on the internet and the John cast is born. Join me each week as I talk to guests I find interesting or entertaining from the world of the sports, play-by-play broadcasting, or whatever else sounds fascinating to me at the moment. The John cast is what I'm doing until I figure out what I'm doing. Subscribe, download, and I hope you learn something along the way. There we go. Now we're good to go. What is going on? Welcome into the John Cast Podcast. I can't believe it. I'm on episode number 36 of the John Cast Podcast. Thanks for everyone uh, who's been uh, following along. And uh, just a reminder that this podcast is brought to you by one of our new sponsors, Me and Julio. Me and Julio in Madison. They've got excellent margaritas. Plus this month, they've got some great uh, lunch specials too, some great food and drink specials. In fact, get ready for March 17th because on St. Patrick's Day and the tournament kickoff, they've got $4 green margaritas. Most margaritas are green, but I think you can make them greener. $4 pints of green beer and $18 corned beef and cabbage. I don't know if, if you're like me, Ben Brust. Ben Brust joins me, the former Wisconsin Badger basketball player, part of Scalzo and Brust on ESPN Wisconsin, Big Ten Network. Uh, where else are you, uh, Ben Brust? You are everywhere. Oh, the Bucks uh, Radio Network. Bucks Radio Network nowadays. And uh, yeah, it's funny when the intro came in, it says you have, you know, interesting or entertaining, which 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 got me in here. I think you actually got onto both categories. You're the, the one of the rare exceptions. You're both interesting yes. and you're very entertaining. Um, that's, that's for sure. So you get, you get the two for, you get both of them. So you should feel special, but, uh, hit me with your question. Cause if it has to do with Mexican food, I'm, I'm all in. <laughs> well, I was going to ask you cause, uh, at me and Julio on the 17th, St. Patrick's day, they've got the corned beef and cabbage. Are you a fan of corned beef and cabbage? Now keep in mind me and Julio is a sponsor. Um, but I will just say like, for some reason, once a year, give me all the corned beef and cabbage. Cause I don't know why, but I enjoy it. You know, I, I know how this goes, John, but the the uh, <laughs> the truth is like until two years ago, I had never had corned beef and cabbage on St. Patrick's today until I'm I was living with a, a couple at the time and it became, you know, they made it. And I it was like, all right, this is actually pretty good. So I'd be down. Um, yeah. I have the palate of a three year old. Um, so anytime you can get me to try something new, that is a victory. Well, if you haven't had the margaritas at me and Julio, I think you need to go have a couple of margaritas uh, at me and Julio. They've also got the monthly food specials like the Reuben sandwich for $15 and the rainbow trout tacos for $16. And this podcast is also brought to you by Ian's Pizza in Madison. Ian's Pizza and this podcast have teamed up to try to give away, well, not try, we're going to give away a 4K television, a 58-inch, here I got a picture of it, 58-inch 4K television. For our bracket contest winner, you can go sign up at johncastpodcast.com and a chance to learn weekly bonus points. So go check it out, Ian's Pizza, and, uh, and and sign up because you don't want the tournament to start and then you're out and then you never even had a shot. And this podcast is um, also brought to you by Scani. This is one of the Scani t-shirts we're selling. See, you can wear this to a, a Badger game or wherever you want to go. State of Wisconsin outlined. What, is Madison, what does Madison read backwards? <laughs> is that what it looks like to you? Yeah, nosadam, nosadam. <laughs> what would that be? Nasad, nasadam. I know I'm I'm Nimijineb Tzerb uh, with Benjamin <laughs> Benjamin Bruss backwards. So okay, I've never thought about backwards. Uh, I know Nodge John is Nodge backwards. That one's pretty easy. 
yeah, yeah that one I, I i could handle that one but um what was I saying? Oh, the Scotty t-shirts. You can go buy them now. We've got an, another t-shirt coming out this week. I'm not going to show it to you yet, but it has to do with the advice um, of repeating as a national champion that uh, one of the Badger volleyball players asked Chauncey Billups recently at a Bucks, uh, a Bucks game when Chauncey was in town. And uh, his answer, I was like, put that on a t-shirt and we'll get to that um, a little bit later on in a, in a future podcast. But there he is. Our guest today, as I mentioned, uh, is Ben Brust. And uh, thank you so much for taking some time to join this podcast. I know you've been mentioned on this podcast before by uh, Justin Garcia. Yeah. Uh, shout out to Justin. Uh, early Monday morning, dog got me up in the middle of the night three times to go to the bathroom and I uh, had to get in and I stole some of his coffee. You know, I even tried to do the nice thing. And this is what happens when you try and do nice things for Justin. He doesn't accept them. Uh, I Venmoed him 10 bucks and his response was, you think I'm going to accept $10 for you taking shitty Keurig coffee? <laughs> and my answer is yes. Yeah. Uh, yes, you are going to accept that. <laughs> I was going to say, just hit accept, Justin. That's not that that bad of a of a deal. You pay 10 bucks for crappy uh, Keurig coffee. Well, no, I, I mean, I have slaughtered his his bin of Keurig coffee. <laughs> okay. Like, it's. Like I've gone through a lot of it where I like it, the guilt was hitting me. It was like, all right, I got to do something. And uh, you're, you're at the point where you're actually getting the deal with $10, right? Correct. No, I mean, yeah. this is amazing for me. Uh, my coffee maker broke at home. And so that's part of the deal right now. And so Justin's coffee maker at the office came my default home coffee maker. Yeah. JG. That's fantastic. That's so cool that, that, uh, you get to work with JG because it's part of your Bucks gig, and I wanted I want to talk about your Bucks gig a little bit, but uh, we do also probably should talk a little bit about what happened with the Badgers. What? Oh, how about I ask you this: What happened with the Badgers? How did they lose to last place Nebraska? Yeah, see, that's that's the interesting thing. It's it's the old adage of uh, even thinking about the 2015 Badgers of beating Kentucky and then like losing to Duke. Like, there's always that like that letdown game where everyone went all in on Tuesday's game against Purdue. Now, that being said, they were up 10 points in the second half, and that is typically you're done at the Kohl Center. I don't care who it is, Nebraska, Michigan State. If you're up 10 in the second half, you're typically taking care of the ball, getting to the free throw line, knocking those down and make it virtually impossible for a team to come back, um, especially with Trey McGowans, who had the flagrant two on Johnny Davis, who was kicked out of the game. I mean, not having Johnny Davis um, is definitely, and he's been the closer. Um, I know Chucky Hepburn hit the the massive uh, three off the window uh, on Tuesday um, to get them at least now a share that we know is of the Big Ten title. But Johnny's closed games, whether it was at Illinois, earlier in the season at Purdue, at Michigan State, like if you need – your guy, you go to the national player of the year, potentially, and the big 10 player of the year, potentially, and he gets it done. Um, not having that definitely hurt in terms of buckets down the stretch. Um, but just, just a tough one. And, and, you know, maybe this could be a good thing. I don't want to be like the moral victory guy. Look, that uh, background that you have has around the ring, big 10 championships. Um, and I see 2014 Final Four, which I was a part of on your right finger there. And then around the ring, they will have Big Ten titles. And when you go to that arena, it's not going to say shared. People will remember that team and what they did. So although it feels a little bit crappy right now in the long haul, 
a big 10 championships, a big 10 championship. So it could be yeah. a good learning lesson. And then um, I'm not a big believer in like, Hey, you have to win three games in a row to build momentum for the tournament. Um, it's just, I just want to see this team against some different teams because uh, they did really well in the non-conference beating a lot of uh, high quality quad one team. So just trying to move on. There's my positive spin because it's yeah. still a big 10 championship and you didn't have Johnny Davis down the stretch. Right. And one thing I was saying during my last podcast is, okay, so the fan in me loves that they're winning close games, right? The fan in me loves that there's that that team building, that they learn how to do uh, what they need to do in these types of situations. So I think it's a overall, uh, it's a positive for the team to win tight, close games. But the fan in me, Ben, was thinking to myself, okay, they had a 15-game winning streak in games decided by six points or less, the longest since 1986, 1987. The fan in me was like, that can't last, just statistically speaking. Like you can learn everything you can from that, but that can't last forever because eventually you're going to lose one of these games. Just, you know, the odds of it happening that many times. I mean, we saw the last time it happened was so many years ago. So they, they finally do drop a game that's decided by six points or less. It, it, how do you view that statistic? Is that overall a good thing? Because like I said, the team can learn how to win together. Um, or, or did you have a little bit of that, that fandom feeling that I had is like, come on, man, how long is this thing going to last? Well, I mean, I think um, I looked at it overall as a positive because you if you look at that, some of those wins were them being up. Some of those wins like were late come from behind wins. And I just think it speaks to the leadership of Coach Guard and like just the overall team, how they buy in and play for each other. And if you want to go from the fan spin, hey, at least we got one of them out of the way. If it was bound to happen, I'd rather yes. it happen against Nebraska versus, you know, at whoever they match up, hopefully at Pfizer Forum, if they're able to get that good location and geographical placement in the selection Sunday. So um, I, I, I try not to read too much into it because the way the Badgers typically play is, you know, they're going to be a possession by possession. Um, lower possessions mean it's likely going to be a closer game. Um, and they built a ton of credibility winning that way. And so it's, it's not a fluke because here's the thing. It, it has to be the recipe. I look at some of their statistics. They don't shoot that well. I mean, opponents in Big Ten play outshot them from the field and from three-point land. And so how do you counteract that? You play good defense um, in, in spots, and then you go to the free throw line and you take care of the ball. And so that recipe is not going to lead you to, you know, these 10-plus point victories when you shoot 31, 32% from three, which is, you know, not very typical for a Badger team. It's a little bit different of a makeup. You got Tyler Wall backing guys down from the three-point line, um, you know, and, and Brad Davison hasn't shot his most efficient season from three, but he's hit some big ones. Johnny Davis is capable, but he's not a high percentage guy. So my overall point is it's part of their identity and how they win. And so I'm okay with it because if you're, if they're going to win, they're they're going to have to continue that way. So if they have confidence winning close games, so be it, keep it rolling. Yeah. Um, all right. So how concerned are you with this Johnny Davis injury? We saw him go down in that game against Nebraska. Uh, the last I heard as of this morning, when we're recording this podcast was kind of like a, a day to day, but there has been Really, I don't think there's been anything official unless I missed it. But how concerned are you or should you be, I think, as a Badger fan? You know, I think nothing official. I think day-to-day -day is obviously good. The overall vibe from Coach Guard 
was was pretty positive. I still just wait for official news because I'm sure there's going to be some sort of process of an MRI. Like you're, they're going to do their full due diligence because obviously Johnny has a career beyond Wisconsin. Um, you know, he's a potential top five, top ten lottery pick in the draft. I'm not saying that because of this injury he's going to sit out the rest of the season. Um, but you got to make sure you go through every process, check every box to make sure he's good enough to go um, for the Badgers moving forward. So I am cautiously optimistic because until you get official word, knees just scare me, man. I mean, it was a buckle. It didn't look like anything egregious happened, but anything non-contacty like that, I just I just hold my breath and and wait for the best news. And we and we've seen it in Wisconsin. I thought Giannis's knee <laughs> collapsed and was broken and should have been torn in every place. And then he came back for the NBA Finals and put up a fifty burger in Game Seven. Yeah, you're, you're right. It's it's one of those things where I think sometimes you just have to slow down and just let the process uh, play out, and we'll all find out uh, together how you know how it looks for for Johnny. Um, was this game kind of a hangover game? Would you look at it like that, or how would you view losing to Nebraska like that after you know capturing that shared title, having the game winner, everybody rushes the court and have this huge moment? Yeah, I, I, that's kind of where I was going with the 2015 game. They beat right, right. 38-0 Kentucky, then they lost to Duke. Now that being said, they were up seven to eight points with about you know five to seven minutes left in the game. So it's hard to even call that one a hangover game when very rarely, like we've talked about, do you see a Badger team give up a lead like that in the national championship game? Uh, but it was, yeah, look, it, it it didn't help that Johnny Davis was in foul trouble for the first half and then missed the entire second half. Um, but to give up a 10-point lead was really uncharacteristic for this team. So, again, the banner's up there. You, you move on for a minute. I think Coach Guard talked about, like, we're not going to, we're not going to dwell on this one. Like we've had an incredible season with a group of young guys. I mean, let's just take a step back here. Nobody, you, me, or anyone, I'd say even every single person inside that program, they could say whatever they want. I don't know if going into the season, they were thinking it was really a true potential that they were going to win the big 10 title. Did they think they're going to be competitive? Absolutely. But there were some really, I mean, Purdue, Illinois, those are some really good talented teams that, brought a lot of pieces back. You're looking at a Badger team that lost five seniors, couple transfers, you know, Brad Davison is the only guy that came back and you were going to hope that Johnny Davis take took that like that freshman to sophomore step after he played on the U19 uh select team um for USA and he took that jump and he took that jump bigger than a lot of us ever imagined that he would. And then to ask a freshman point guard, Chucky Hepburn, to lead the team like he has late down the stretch here. I'm talking besides the bank shot against Purdue, mm -hmm. you know, the the pace of the game, his defense, the not turning it over. He played well beyond his year. Stephen Crowell had had some moments, up and down moments, but like ultimately some good moments late down the stretch where he was able to do some things. And then Wall's development. This Badger team did it with essentially six guys. Chris Vogt gave them a ton of great minutes. So when, when I say those six guys and when I look at the starting five, when they show the faces, it's still amazing to me that this team won a big 10 title. So I think that you need to stay positive about the fact that, you know, what happened against Nebraska happened. They still have a big 10 title and they still have things they can do moving forward. But a lot of that hinges on um, some good news for Johnny Davis and his knee.
Yeah. Let's talk a little bit more about Johnny Davis. I kind of want to get your overall thoughts on Davis because like you talked about this season where he just kind of made that, that next level type of step watching Johnny Davis to me is, is so much fun because number one, he's so smooth. Like everything he does just looks perfect almost, um, you know, kind of like how you watch like a lefty swing a baseball bat, like Ken Griffey Jr. Everything looked perfect on his swing. Right. It just seems like everything Johnny does just looks so smooth to me. Um, like, what are your impressions when you when you watch him and just the level of talent that the, the Badgers have in in Davis? The same as you. I mean, <laughs> I'm watching him even on the play that he got hurt against Nebraska coming over on the weak side as a wing to get like a help side block like he did and then hustle all the way um, to grab be like just be beelined <laughs> like meet me yeah. just full speed ahead, grabbed the ball, went full court, and unfortunately what happened. But that just speaks to his burst. And I think what's been most impressive for me is what can't he do? Obviously, he he's not like a, a dead-eyed three-point shooter, um, but he's a capable three-point shooter. He can create any mid-range shot he wants. He finds every crease and angle around the rim, whether that be slithering through um, on a wing drive, a post up, a turnaround, and then defensively, he can guard every position on the floor. He can get blocks and, and he's an unbelievable rebounder. If that ball is within his grasp, he'll snag it with one hand. And it's like the luxury of having that guard who can just grab it and go and go the other way. And then it's showtime for Johnny in transition. So it, it's just really cool to see a player you know, I, I'm a Frank Kaminsky stan because what he did in two years as, and then was national player of the year in 15, elevating all the guys around him. Um, but he had some really great guys around him and in, in Nigel Hayes and and Sam Decker and Bronson Koenig. And then Gosser was the glue for that team. Johnny was able to elevate a lot of different guys and give confidence to such young guys. And it, what he's done for this team is incredible and and he's deserving of of every award um based off and and you know what what I, what I also wish you know we did is I look at you know where well, there was a great game yesterday Illinois versus Iowa mm-hmm. which unfortunately Iowa blew it down the lead and in Wisconsin now has a share of the Big 10 title in a two seed heading in the tournament but you look at the the pace that Iowa plays with, the amount of possessions, and you see Keegan Murray's points per game. Like, I would love to see a per possession, you know, points per game comparison of Johnny Davis because of the Badgers' pace versus like an Iowa pace. Because sure, scoring twenty points a game in Wisconsin system feels like thirty. You know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. But he's so successful and he's getting the recognition. And it always kind of made me I'm not trying to get too far off the Badger topic right now. But um, as we're talking about Johnny Davis, it just made me think of elite talent playing for Wisconsin. Right. And Tyler Hero was going to be one of those guys that could have played at Wisconsin. And some people say, well, he made the better decision, go somewhere else, take a year and and make it to the to the NBA. I don't know where you ever fell on this, but um like it, I think what Johnny Davis proves is that perhaps like someone like Tyler Hero could have came in here and they could have given him kind of the keys and said, listen, if, if you're really talented, you can still put up big numbers and still get nationally recognized at Wisconsin. And, and maybe Johnny is trying to is kind of illustrating that for future recruits. Well, I think one of the great things that Johnny has done as well is embraced like the program, you know, you've seen him go with coach guard to a couple of games that he's watched a couple of potential recruits. Like 
that's really cool. You know, when you have a, a star like Johnny, who's a potential NBA player, embrace himself with the program, that's really cool to me. And, and one of the wisest things that I've seen come true in recent times more than ever, I was being recruited by Butler, and I thought I was going there for two years because Brad Stevens was there, and yeah. we talked forever. You know, like I was like, oh, man, this guy's the best. And the reason why I didn't go there is because I thought he was too good of a coach and he was going to eventually leave. He left going into my senior year at Wisconsin. So I, I got that one right barely. Barely, <laughs> um, yeah. Um, but Brad told me, because at the time, Butler was in Horizon League. And he's like, if you're good enough, you will be found. Gordon Hayward at Butler. He was found. Shelvin Mack um, at Butler. He ended up making it into the NBA for a good while. So, like, yeah. it doesn't – John Morant is, is a great example of that. Murray State, now one of the best players in the NBA. If you are good enough – you will be found. And do I blame Tyler Hero for his decision? I don't. Because, you know, his goal might have been, I want to go right away. I want to be one and done. Would he have been one and done at Wisconsin? Maybe not. Could he have still had a, a path to the NBA? Absolutely. Um, so it really is a case-by-case basis of what you're looking to get out of your experience. But Johnny proves my point of, if you're good enough, you will be found. Yeah, no, that's that's a great point. By the way, uh, the Wisconsin women's basketball team was just playing at the Big Ten tournament last week, and they practiced at Hinkle Fieldhouse. And it was my first visit last week to Hinkle. And actually, one of the questions I had for you was, what school did you think you were going to go to uh, if you hadn't gone to Wisconsin? But it seems like Butler. And I went there for the first time, and I was just kind of, I was in awe. I'm like, oh, this is it. This is Hinkle. This is what everybody talks about. Were you kind of on that same page when you when you made your visits to Butler? Yeah. I mean, look, it was a really small school, but there was something about like the culture and, and the Butler way. Um, and, and Brad Stevens was just an, like, he was so impressive. I mean, got to sit down with Gordon Hayward and talk with him and it was down to Butler, Northwestern, Stanford and Iowa. Okay. Somehow the three schools other than Iowa or somehow Stanford and Northwestern offered me. I don't know what they were thinking. Um, that would have been impossible for me academically. Um, <laughs> but uh, Iowa had Iowa had Todd Licklider as their head coach, who was the AP coach of the year at Butler. And so, man, I, I, I remember where I was when I had to call Brad Stevens and tell him that I wasn't coming. It was so tough. The reason why I didn't do it is because they were a mid-major at the time. And I was hoping that I could find the Butler system in the Big Ten because I wanted to play in the Big Ten. I grew up in the Big Ten country and and I didn't want to bust to Youngstown State and, you know, no yeah. offense, Milwaukee, Green Bay, you know, Wright State, all those different places that you play in the Ryzen League. And I, I then labeled myself again as a high major player. Now, Todd Licklater got fired my senior year of high school in March. And so I'm going through a scramble April, May of trying to figure out where to go. Wisconsin had recruited me uh, my sophomore year and I loved Madison. I, I remember winning the the elite camp with Evan Anderson. Yeah. Um, uh, my, my sophomore year summer, which is funny because then I've, Evan and I ended up there. Um, but uh, and then that led to reopen up my recruitment and Fran McCaffrey came to my house twice, but ultimately like when you commit to somebody like Todd Licklider, you're labeled as the Licklider guy. Um, oh. I, th I think I put would have played well in Iowa system. You know, I played in a fast pace in high school and 
they play motion in Iowa, but I wanted to go to Wisconsin because I knew I was going to have a chance to play in the NCAA tournament every year. Um, There were some growing pains for sure. My freshman year, I didn't play because I didn't know how to guard my own shadow. Um, And then ultimately grew with the team. And then it all worked out my senior year. Um, You know, getting a chance to set the all-time three-point record at the Bradley Center in one of the best games I've ever been a part of against Oregon, down 13 at halftime, thinking my career is over to making it to the final four. So that stuff I can't take, you can't take away. And even just getting dinner with Frank Kaminsky and his dad um, on Saturday night before the Suns played the Bucks. Like there's just so many great relationships that I've built and I wouldn't be where I am today if I didn't choose to go to Wisconsin. Yeah, man. Now you got me thinking about that Oregon game, the game against Oregon at the Bradley Center. And you had mentioned at the start here that perhaps Wisconsin could be playing at Pfizer Forum. How advantageous is it for the Badgers if they do happen to get that Milwaukee path? Oh, it's amazing. It's amazing. Um, I mean, the crowd, that was the loudest the Bradley Center had ever been. And that's not like a disrespect to Marquette or the Bucks. Like, it's just March Madness. And being down 13, having a stadium full of raging Badger fans. Um, when we made the run out of halftime when we were down 13 just to cut it to like four or five. I mean, mm-hmm. Frank Kaminsky hit a, hit a jumper and I was under the hoop and I watched it go in. That was one of those moments where I was like, Holy crap. Like I'm, I'm, I'm in it. And like, and this is like, we're, we're going to come back. And the crowd was the loudest I've ever heard a crowd in my, you know, as hair was standing up on my arms and it's just so cool to have that support and uh, and got it done in front of the home fans. And so it definitely played a part, no doubt. And I think uh, now that I've said no doubt, Justin Garcia is going to make fun of me because that's the word we both say way too much. <laughs> really? Now now yes. I'm going to be listening for that. I'm going to hear it. I'll text you. Like, yeah, you're going to hear it all the time now. Like, don't say don't say no doubt. But what you just described with the hair standing up on your arms and being able to be um, in that environment, in the NCAA tournament, have the crowd go crazy to be able to have a game in which you hit a half court shot to send it to overtime. I'm talking about the Michigan game, like you are, you you got to live out like the best moments you could ever ask for, right? In sports, like you got to be in front of that raucous crowd. You got to hit the shot. Like, do you ever pitch yourself and be like, man, that was that was a blast? The amount of times that everyone, you, me, or anyone listening, has been outside in their driveway and done a three, two, one and, and try to make it like, yeah. I mean, it's, it, it's surreal to me that like, like even what, even when it like plays like on Twitter, when it's the anniversary, like sometimes I forget, like I did that. Like that was me who like caught it, took the dribble and shot it. And I don't know if it's PG around here, but I could give you like what, what exactly went through my head. Oh, I, it's the weekend mark as explicit. You already swore once, so it's all good. I mean, I got the ball, I took a dribble and I let it go. And I was like, it's fucking going in, you know? (laughs) And so I was like, it it was, it was an unreal moment. But I think what I was most proud of is I hit the three to win the game in overtime and we had two days off. Um, So winning the game was just as fun because then I got to go party my ass off at the, at the college club at night. And, uh, (laughs) and so that was like, just a surreal college moment, but I would still say everyone asked me, Oh, what's your favorite game? The Michigan game. No, that Oregon game and the Arizona game, you know, the Arizona game, I did not really play that well. I played a lot of minutes, but like I, w- I would, I had never been nervous for any game my entire career ever. 
ever, ever, ever. But when you're a senior, Bo's never been to a Final Four. You go to the Elite Eight. You lose the Elite Eight, you're just another team. Yeah. There's a banner hanging behind you because you went to the Final Four. People remember Final Fours for some reason. It's like the only sport where if you make it to the semis, you're a winner. (laughs) So when Frank did what he did against Arizona – and I had an unbelievable view. I was guarding TJ McConnell in the left corner and they ISOed Nick Johnson. And I had a view of the hoop and of Nick Johnson shooting. And so I saw the red light and I saw the ball in his hands. And if you watch the replay, yeah. I took off before anybody. Cause I was yeah. like, I don't care if they go to review. Like I know he didn't get it off. I don't care if it goes, I didn't even look at the shot. I was like, it's done. It's over. We're going. And so that was a, an unbelievable – those two games were, were the best. And then I would put Michigan crazily, even though it was a half-court buzzer beater against the team that went to the finals that year in 2013. I'd put those two games in my career above that. Wow, that's awesome. I do remember that when you you, you didn't even look at the shot. You just kept – because you knew, knew that the buzzer had sounded against Arizona. I remember that And, now. and I yeah. think that's, that's what's so cool about the program, and that's what's so cool about – you know, a lot of what I did in my career moving before Wisconsin was like, you know, I was a scorer. I put up 50 points in a game twice. Like, you know, I, I, I never won like a, a regional title. I'd never cut down nets, but like it, it turned into loving the guys that I played with so much that I didn't care about me or what I did against Arizona. All I cared about was finding a way to win and having that maturation as a person uh, was was really cool as well. Uh, was there a team that you liked to beat the most? Was I mean, obviously, with all these Big Ten rivals, was there a team you were like, we have to beat them? Was it in Minnesota? Was it in Iowa, perhaps? Uh, what was that team that you always needed to beat? It was everyone. Okay. <laughs> I mean, but I, I could pick out some specifics. I mean, I think it was just really cool that um, in my sophomore and senior year, we won – twice at Purdue and had only won there one time prior to that, which is crazy. And then Johnny Davis this year went for 37. So we've only won at Purdue four times in like 40 years, which is like nuts. So winning two of those at Mackey was sweet. The only place I didn't win at was Michigan state. Didn't get a chance my senior year. So that was, we only only played them once. Um, Winning at Indiana was always fun. Oh gosh, they were, they were the worst. Uh, The fans were just, the worst. Um, and then Iowa obviously was really fun. I remember my senior year, I had zero points at half and then had 19 in the second half to beat them after Fran got two technicals. Um, so that was kind of fun. Yeah. Uh, um, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, I'd say, I'd say Iowa was up there. Um, Minnesota and, eh, you know, I mean like that's more for our Minnesota, sure. uh, and Wisconsin guys. I mean, I've I embraced the rivalry, uh, Marquette too. I mean, it was nice to get Marquette my senior year to go out on top. Um, two and two, my career against Marquette. Don't love that, but right. at least end with the with the victory. Yeah, hmm. that's interesting. Yeah, that makes sense. All those teams that you said it would probably would have been nice to beat Izzo if you had that opportunity, right? I think just to yeah, just beat to Izzo my senior year um, at home, but. Um, didn't have the chance to go on the road on the road. Oh, I remember I was going to say, you said Indiana and those fans, uh, your thoughts on what Johnny, Johnny does the goodbye, like the bye-bye 
thing. He did that at the he's got swag and he's got he's got some gumption. I, I, like I never would have done. I never would have done any of that because <laughs> <laughs> I mean, can you do that? And then, man, if you do that, you better come. If you come back another year, if he does come back, you better come back and, and bring it again. If you guys are on the road at, at, at Bloomington again next year. Because they're going to give it to you. About it. If he comes, he's not coming back. But if he does, <laughs> you think he that's? I mean, that's over. That's a pipe dream. That to think he could come back for one more year. He gone. He's gone. Dang he it. gone. I mean, dang it! But at the same time, like, thank you. Go get paid. Go. Yeah. Go get your money. You look at look at just the knee buckle situation. Like that stuff's scary to me. Like, go get your money. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, uh, I did want to ask you a little bit. Now, this is, seems like it happened years ago at this point, but the Jawan Howard uh, post-game altercation, I was watching some stuff on social media, and I know you were really outspoken about it. I was like, heck yeah. And one of the points you were making that I thought was was right on, Ben, was was Jawan Howard afraid of five foot nine Greg Gard? Like, that he was so intimidated that Gard touched him like, hey, I have to – I have to get on all defenses right now because this something might go down here and I might not win this thing. Like that, I thought that was a really excellent point on your part. Like you really afraid about five foot nine to me, this was it. He was frustrated about the thing, you know, and he was in the moment um, frustrated about the timeout. Um, and then that just, he, he couldn't handle himself basically the way I looked at it. Like once he got touched, he just lost it. And, and yeah. And, and look, I get it. it. There's he's frustrated. Like they definitely haven't played up to probably what his standards were. They were tied at halftime and they were getting their ass kicked. And I went and watched it back and, um, you know, everything was fine. They, the last two minutes of the game, everyone was playing hard. Nobody was doing anything egregious. And then when uh, Hepburn hit a three, guard called timeout and five new players came in. Yeah. Um, two of it, two of which were, were walk-ons. I think Carter Gilmore may not be anymore, but he started as one. And Carter Hagenbottom, you know, and, and so – he left a couple guys in that that likely shouldn't have been in. Normally, both teams emptied the bench there. I'll still live with it. You know, I, I thought it was a weird move that Devontae Jones and Caleb Houston were in there. But, like, I, I was like, all right, fine, whatever. The play hard to the whistle. Uh, but they were pressing, and Devontae Jones was going hard, and Wisconsin was having a hard time getting it above half court. And the funny thing was to me is, like, I knew Greg Gard, when he called that timeout, was trying to reset the 10-second backcourt count. But to me – he didn't even if he was even if he even if the rule didn't exist and and they only had 4 seconds to get the ball across half court with the timeout I still wouldn't care because they were going hard and you got you got two guys who can barely dribble across half court right now getting harassed like if he's trying to help his guys a little bit like you're going to play to the whistle coach guard's going to help out his guys who haven't seen or touched the ball for 39 minutes one of which being like a true walk on, like he waved the white flag and Jawan didn't. And then for that timeout to be the issue, I was like, give me a break. And so going through the line, you know, I look back and th there was a video of all the interactions that Jawan Howard had with coach guard. There's no reason to think and with coach guards track record, right. That like, it, like, he would ever try and make something as like a physical altercation. It was, Hey, I want to have a conversation with you. Um, and Jawan was late to the handshake line. So you either go, go to your bench or like I've said before, I said this as well, do the blow by you can't, you can't do the blow by with, I'll remember that you either just don't say a word and blow by, uh -huh. you know, and just, just make But if you, if you say something, you can't expect the other coach not to react and sure he grabbed him by the arm, but it, that, that's enough now, um, 
to feel the need to have. That's when he said he felt the need. He had to protect himself. Um, and so I thought that was really interesting. And then uh, the rest is just, the rest is just nonsense from that point on. Um, you know, there's no excuse. You were a leader. And as soon as you take the swing, you know, your, your players are going to follow. Yeah. That makes no sense to me because if you're touched in a non-physical violent way, and then you're the one that ends up swinging at somebody else, like for anyone to say, well, then you should not have touched him. Like a touch. Well, in a non, and again, like, I, I, even, like, I, was, you. I was fine with him grabbing guard, you know, like okay, that, yeah. that was, you know, that was fine. Like he got, got him here. They were back and forth. That's fine. It just was after that, like it, like you can't, you can't do what happened after. Like I, I don't even care. Like, fine, guard grabbed you by the arm. You don't want to be touched. Hey, don't touch me. Fine, like it's a little scuffle. It's fun. Let's create a rivalry. Let's move on. But let's not hit right. somebody in the face and then have this thing blow up. Right. And I'm glad I, at the time I said, well, I would start with the five games and probably end it there. And I'm so glad because that seemed like almost like the perfect penalty. Like just give him the five games. I'm glad guard got nothing because guard shouldn't have gotten anything. Um, the fine is whatever. And I thought, I thought that was actually played out pretty well at the end. Yeah. When it was I, yeah. Done. yeah, yeah. I, I'm with you there. Uh, how's the bucks get going? It's awesome. It's, yeah. it's fun. Uh, we're post all-star break. Um, one, three of the first four out of the all-star break here. Um, dropped one against the Nets coming out and then have won three straight against the Charlotte team. The Bucks have struggled against. Um, so that's a significant win. And then obviously the comeback against the Heat last Wednesday um, is very uncharacteristic of that franchise. But you don't ask questions if you come back from 14 and you get the job done. And then, um, you know, it was, it was cool to see them beat the Bulls with the Grayson Allen stuff. Man, Mike, I'm bad at counting for the last five. Um, but that that's what the Bucks have needed. They've needed to come out and play some better basketball. And great to see Brooke Lopez starting to get warm up and maybe get involved in some practice, get Pat Connaughton back. And look, they, Drew Holiday's a stud, an absolute stud. He's the most underappreciated NBA player with what he's able to do defensively. Um, he now has scored 16 and 17 points respectively in the fourth quarter against the Bulls. And then last night, um, gosh, I'm, I'm like, I was on the call and I'm, I'm blanking right now on who they even, who they, uh, the, uh, the Suns. Like um, yeah. <laughs> and so I, I'm just excited to be a part of the organization and, you know, it's a first class organization and a, and a world championship organization. So it's, it's fun to see the progression. It's been a weird year with injuries, health and safety protocols, but hopefully we're past that. And it's all about basketball moving forward. Uh, final dumb question for you, because sometimes I think about these things. Um, if Giannis had gone to college, so you don't get the Giannis at, at now, but if Giannis had gone to college and, you know, a few years ago had been playing in the big 10, what kind of numbers could Giannis have put up in college basketball? Interesting. So I'm trying to do a comp right now, just from like a, a pure physical standpoint, Kofi okay. Coburn, right? Okay. Like yep. I'm not saying that Giannis is Kofi because Kofi's size is different, but Giannis's length in athleticism is different. Yep. I don't know. Giannis had some, some maturing to do physically, you know, and even with his game that I still think he would have been around 18 to 22 points a game and like a walking double, double, but he was still so raw that I don't know if he would have been as 
dominant as I think he would have been just because we see what he's matured and grown to as a player now. Yeah. Sorry. That was just, sometimes I think about these things like what if LeBron had gone to college? What if Zion had stayed a couple of years? What if Decker yeah, had stayed I mean, another year? Le- 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 LeBron would have been ridiculous because he, he was already a physical yeah. beast in his rookie year. He, he, I mean, he was ridiculous. I mean, Giannis had some, some growing to do on a lot of levels and like to see how he's grown from his rookie year to where he is now is incredible. Awesome. Ben Brust, I appreciate you talking some Badgers with me, a little bit of Bucks here at the end, and just uh, talking some college hoops. I'm glad we were able to find some time to do this. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. All right. You can check them up, Scalzo and Brust on ESPN Wisconsin, plus on the Bucks radio network. Uh, and uh, there you go. That is Ben Brust, the former Wisconsin Badger. Once again, a reminder, this podcast is brought to you by me and Julio. Go check out their March specials. And hey, starting... This week, take a li- um, keep track on the website. That's what I'm trying to say. We're going to offer a discounted Me and Julio gift card that you can purchase at johncastpodcast.com. I'll have details on social media. Also brought to you by Ian's Pizza. Sign up for the Ian's Pizza Johncast Podcast Bracket Contest. It's uh, at johncastpodcast.com. We're going to give away a 58-inch 4K television. Boom, there it is to the winner if you're watching on Spotify. Uh, and you can earn bonus points by listening to the podcast. And then uh, I'll tell you all about the Scotty t-shirt again in the next podcast or keep an eye out on social media. But this is one of the ones you can buy at johncastpodcast.com. They're only 20 bucks each. All right. Uh, we'll be back with more later this week and another Johncast podcast. Thanks for watching on Spotify, listening wherever you listen to this podcast. Goodbye.